This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. If you could leave on a trip today, anywhere in the world, and never come back to where you call home, A, would you do it? B, where would you go? Today's guests did just that. They went on a honeymoon, a honeymoon, and they planned for a really long honeymoon, but not a forever honeymoon. And more than a decade later, they've never come back. It's Mike and Ann Howard. Kind of a remarkable story where they left on a honeymoon and began to travel the world and continue to do so to this day. They started Honey Trek, as in honeymoon on a trek, honeytrek.com. And we have the pleasure to get a bird's eye view of a continuous trek around the globe. Tips and tricks on how to do it financially, how to make it affordable, and maybe more importantly, how to make it a reality if it's something you've ever even remotely considered. I hope this inspires you on your Retire Sooner journey. I'm Wes Moss. The prevailing thought in America is that you'll never have enough money and it's almost impossible to retire early. Actually, I think the opposite is true. For more than 20 years, I've been researching, studying, and advising American families, including those who started late, on how to retire sooner and happier. So my mission with the Retire Sooner podcast is to help a million people retire earlier while enjoying the adventure along the way. I'd love for you to be one of them. Let's get started. Mike and Ann, Mike and Ann Howard, Kind of the coolest story that I think I've heard in a long time. And that's part of the reason you guys have such a kind of a wonderful following. And it's it's totally organic because when you did this, which we obviously, we need the early. And by the way, our, our listeners know that we're in Memphis. We left the window open on purpose because it feels like we're in it because we're at TravelCon. We know you as the world's longest honeymoon, but it's like everyone's dream. Once in a while, there's somebody that actually does what the, the ultimate dream is, and that's you guys. It's hard to like fathom that this all happened. So can you at least tell us a story? You, how old were you when you first got married? What was your intention when you started to travel? And then how did it just keep going? <laughs> so we got married. Uh, you were 28 and I was 33. Um, and then when we, just, we were trying to plan where to go on our honeymoon and writing down countries and destinations on a legal pad and then turn the page and more destinations. And it just kept going and going. And where, 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 where did you get married? Where do you, where are you both from? Uh, we met in, in playing volleyball in Hoboken, New Jersey. That was our last known address 10 years ago was in Hoboken, just outside New York city. Uh, we got married outdoor winter wedding in Vermont. Cool. I had to plow the aisle, like spiked hot chocolate to get all the guests through it. And, uh, and were then, you, by the way, were you guys skiers? Or how, why? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was like our go-to every Love other weekend. We drive up there and go skiing. Kill, and, in the, where, where in Vermont in Killington? Killington. Yes, yeah. Exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's the only place I've been in Vermont is Killington. It's a fun town. Yeah, it's the best. So Anne actually grew up in Southern California. I grew up in a mountain town in Pennsylvania, but we wanted we didn't want to choose either family's home base. So we made everybody trek it up to Vermont. Go to Vermont. All the yeah. Californians had to buy snow boots and jackets and <laughs> wear socks. What um, month was it, by the way? It was early March. So you don't know we were going to get like a blizzard actually canceled my parents' flight for the family dinner and they did not make it. They had to do like an emergency landing in a different state and then take a bus over just as my mother worried and predicted. She's like, what if there's a blizzard and I can't go? Like, Mom, you're being ridiculous. Okay, that exact thing did happen. <laughs> she was right. I hate to admit that. But it's um, snowed on our wedding and we had fire pits and guitars and we gave everybody spiked hot chocolate. Um, yeah. So it was, yeah. it was awesome. But we knew that when we were... Um, registering for our, our wedding, actually. We didn't ask for blenders in China. We asked for parts of this one-year honeymoon. It was originally going to be a one-year honeymoon. So all of our family and friends, you know, gave us 
you know, one week in Bangkok or, mm-hmm. you know, different tours and different destinations. That Things they, that they wanted to do in their life or wanted to share with us. And mm-hmm. it became a, it was a big part of our support system was actually kind of everyone getting on board together to send us off in the world really meant something because a lot of people were like, you know. They could have been, you're crazy. What are you doing? You're going to quit a perfectly good job and leave your home? And what about your careers? And it's dangerous out there. And, you know, there could be a lot of fear. But instead, we our community kind of rallied around us and sent us out into the world. Well, okay. So let's talk about that for a minute. Let's go back to the career thing early on. What were you guys doing? So you were in your late 20s. You were early 30s. Mm-hmm. You'd been working, I guess, for a while. What were you both doing? What were you doing? I was a magazine editor, so I always wanted to be a writer. So mm-hmm. this sort of came naturally, but you know, still like someone pays you every every other Friday. Like you're just gonna when that last check came, we're like, All right, so hopefully we can cobble the rest of this together. What were you writing about prior? What was your main topic? Uh interior design. So I worked for El Decor and House Beautiful and that was and we were nesting hard. Like we had like a cute apartment, we had a really good little life for ourselves in New York, and then we blew it up. And you? I ran a social network um, from my time at Carnegie Mellon. We started it there in 98. Mm -hmm. And then I ran it all the way until 2010 Mm -hmm. when I finally... Um, a little company called Facebook you started <laughs> now. What, what? Pre, it was, pre-Facebook. Yeah, what was, it was called Kiwi Box. Yeah, so uh, tell me about it. It was a social network meets magazine. So it was mm-hmm. pre- um, predominantly an entertainment, fashion, music, online mm-hmm. magazine. Okay. And then there were social networking features. Like everyone had a small profile. They could message each other. It was user-generated content. And it was then. all user-generated content, which was pretty cool. When I... Um, when we finally um, exited, we had about 19,000 writers, freelance writers, copy editors, proofreaders all over the world. So we kind of built this community. We had 2.5 million members, but 19,000 people running this online magazine. So, it's- so did that help? Did you have a little bit of a nest egg in order to go travel for a little while? For that one year. Yeah. yeah so you kind of had-, had a year's worth of... Exactly. Which was very helpful for us because we're like, okay, we had sort of the number $100 a day for the two of us. And then you look at your bank account, and you look how long you want to go. And we're like, okay, like this okay, is, we so have you a didn't now. end up with $50 million here. No. no. Because, you know, when, when people hear these highly aspirational stories, you, you immediately think, well, how is that possible? Oh, maybe they were in tech in Silicon Valley. And maybe when they were 27, they ended up with like $13 million. And she ended up with 22 million. And that's how they're doing it. That's just, that didn't happen. It no. did not happen. You guys, no endowment. You had, you had some, you had some savings, oh, about a hundred bucks a day for a year, which is not crazy. Yeah. But 35,000. Yeah. The cost of a mid-sized sedan. Okay. And we had a little bit more than that between 401ks, but that yeah. was what we said. Okay, we can go on this trip and come home and go back to our jobs in New York and get back on the on the ladder. So, so that was the the thought is that we're going to take a hiatus for a year yep. and we're going to come back. Yeah. Well, first, let's just paint the picture. Where were like the early places you went? After we, Killington. After okay. Killington, um, we took a one-way ticket to Brazil. And the feeling of getting on that plane, and just going into the total unknown. Yeah. And we didn't even have our first hotel room booked. For the night we started, we're like, it just became a the set the stage for winging it for, for life. And, and then it does all work out. But yeah, we were... Yeah, and then we, we could have started with maybe more of a softball like Paris, but like let's go into the Amazon jungle for day one and yeah. get on a dugout canoe with a guide and go fishing for piranha for dinner and hang a hammock in a tree and hope snakes Wait, don't do come down. Wait, people eat piranhas? Oh, oh yeah. I, we used to. We don't. We're vegan now, but you know piranhas. I remember pretty pretty good. Really? Over the grill. But it was really? crazy. We were we were in this dugout canoe and we I thought met, they eat us. We had very we, terrifying we, faces. And which teeth. we thought because we were fishing for these things and just dropping little bits of chicken on a line and a hand line and just yanking them into the boat because you need like 10 of them for dinner. Yeah. So we're catching all these piranhas and then we, we wake up in the morning right next to her catching them. <laughs> and once you catch them, they're flopping around the boat. They're still alive. And I'm like, oh, hang on your toes. Yeah. But then in the morning, he's like, oh, cool. Like, you know, let's just go shower. And we're like, where's the bathhouse? And he's just like, no, here's a bar of soap. We'll just jump in the river. And we're like, that's right where we were fishing for it, catching piranhas like left and right. So it was kind of a wild By the experience. way, why did they not come bite you? I, they only supposedly eat like decaying things. So, like, if another animal dies, they'll go to town on it. Or if you throw, like, a dead a chicken dead in there, you know, they'll go for it. But they're not – I don't think they hunt living oh, okay. things, you know. Okay. And you're like, hopefully they don't get confused. Yeah, because we've all seen movies. And, <laughs> but the, the Brazil thing was an, a really formative experience. And we didn't even realize it at the time, like, how many skills we would learn in that jungle. And, 
just kind of getting thrown into it and like jumping into travel or jumping into an experience like that is kind of it just stuck with us like how how important it was and informative for the travelers we've become you know and then wh where was next as we build this store what was kind of the next big memorable place and we did you know months going around south america and mm -hmm. we tried to actually take as few planes as possible so we overlanded like all the way from brazil to the bottom of patagonia up to peru mm -hmm. uh and then to we then flew to africa and same thing we took little where did you where was your first place and, in africa South Africa, which is a good place to start, kind of get yeah. your feet wet. But then after that, we were, yeah, just doing local transport, like riding with Maasai warriors on the bus. And, and you know, it takes any amount of time. You think you're like, oh, this is 100 miles. And that should, how long should that take? Three hours. No, four days later, you get to your destination. But you've had so many adventures along the way, met such interesting people. Um, so And a good, a good tip, a good takeaway for anybody who is thinking about, you know, retiring and doing a year-long trip or a or living abroad. When we did the South America thing, that was about four months we were in South America. And we purposefully flew back through the States. We also had a wedding and my brother's graduation to attend. But we came back to the States and dumped half the clothes we realized we didn't need, switched from a tablet to a second laptop because we both were just you know, we needed our own laptops, both partly to run Honey Trek. Realized we never closed that credit card and they were coming exactly. after so our So it's good apartment. to do like almost like a little test run, you know, whether it's a month, or three months, but something more than just a one week trip because it's a different life. When did you start Honey Trek though? Was it right away or did? A few months before, because I think that's also when people do something grand like that. They want to start a blog. Well, start it early because you have to kind of build your audience and get people excited. People want to know the process. Like getting out the door is the hardest part oh, of travel. Yeah, yeah. So we started to share that from the packing to the going to the travel doctor and getting weird shots and and just kind of get people excited. And, and so yeah, started maybe four months before. Mm -hmm. So when did Honey Trek so it was basically South America. You did a little respite and back in the U.S. You go to South Africa, do Africa. What was the time when you realized it's going to keep going? Did it have to do with your following? Did you get, was the following of Honey Track just slow and gradual? Or was there any one thing that like exploded the growth of that? We, there were some articles that started to circulate pretty early on, which is funny. Like at a year and a half, like, is this the world's longest honeymoon? Now we've been going for 10. So I think we can confidently say yes yeah. it is but there was some buzz going early and also we realized we were just doing this for us we were not trying to make this a business but we realized we did have complementary skills between like your marketing social media my writing he's an excellent photographer we're like maybe this is a thing maybe we could make this awesome you know sort of dream into a job and make it a, you know, a lifestyle and it was resonating with people they were seeing what we yeah. did and being inspired to go on their own trips and we had a few friends actually like kind of near that one year mark that we're like, you've inspired me. I'm quitting my job. And one friend visited us in Thailand. We used to do these parties whenever the day, month, and year would meet up. Mm -hmm. So on 12-12-12, the party was in Thailand. So we did a 12-day. We rented a villa and had some friends over. And one friend got there and we're like, wow, you have a lot of stuff. And she's like, oh, I'm not going home. Like, you know, I'm doing my own year trip. So you inspired now. her to do that. Yeah. But she Wait, needed just the push. To, the, the, again, uh, this is for, you're the first person to talk about it different parties around the year. What was, what's a 12, what's, tell me about a 12, 12, 12 party in Thailand. What do you guys do for a week? <laughs> well, I've never been to Asia, so I don't even, I can't even conceive what that's like. Is that like Leonardo DiCaprio on a beach? Where, where is it like? <laughs> we did go to that beach. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we spent a nine months in Asia as well. But you, he's a gatherer of people, which is interesting because we've gone out into the world. We were very social and we try and find silly reasons to bring people together. Like when the day, the month, or the year are the same. So three, 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 four, four, four. Yeah. So I feel so terrible. We did not do two, 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 two. We could have done this on February 22nd, 2022. Totally missed opportunity. <laughs> well, okay. So how many people come in and what do y'all, do you get a place like, are you in the beach or a villa or is it somewhere? It was a villa on the beach, a nice like pool. I think we had about eight people fly in for it, which was pretty cool because yeah. they were all flying from the U.S., either SF or, or New York. I don't think we had anybody come from Europe. And um, but, yeah, we just put it out to our friends and you know our close friend circle, not on Honey Trek. We just, you know, our friends from school and from New York and said, hey, we're throwing a party in Thailand. You guys want to come? And and they did. And it was just 12 days of, you know, a little bit of debauchery, a little bit of education. Yeah. Um, just we did like three different stops. Yeah, around some of them Thailand. had been to Asia before. So it was kind of like a little push because they like, oh, I want to go to someplace like Asia, but I need yeah. an excuse. I need a little bit of an anchor, someone to hold my hand. Yeah. So I think it really opened up a lot of their worlds, too. And Asia is and you need to add this to the top of your bucket list. And anybody listening to to this episode who has not been yet, it is 
travel, and a destination unlike anything you could imagine. Everybody can understand what Europe is like. Sure. Most people it's have not been. not that different, yeah. You know, and it has its culture, and, and, and we love Europe, we, and there's so many unique destinations there. But there's just something about Asia, the, the warmth of the people, mm-hmm. the history. I mean, the history there, if you think European places, you know, have history, have, have history. Like, yes. you know, it's 10 times as old and just the food and the affordability, which I know is important to everybody, you know, and that was, it was that combination of falling in love with these people and like seeing a culture that we'd never seen before. And every country being very different. And every country being so different and it being so affordable that we were like, wow, um, you know, we, we're living here for two people for like 25, 30 bucks a day instead of the hundred we planned. Oh, so we were so like, it really was less than oh, you had planned so much for less. Oh, yeah. So we were like, okay, maybe we can stay here a little longer and make our trip a year and a half. And then we'd gotten good at like travel hacking, Asia being so affordable that that was kind of what triggered in our mind. Which that actually was a part of the strategy was, and I, I recommend this to anybody who's thinking about retiring is kind of like look at your bucket list and like order it by level of difficulty. And we went to mostly developing countries. For example, uh, level of difficulty. To me, it sounds like your first stop, Brazil, that seems hard to do. Uh, you know, Europe Trekking seems pretty Nepal. easy, yep. but Asia seems hard to me is that well, correct or what? Well, maybe that's a little broad d- of a developing statement. it's like kind of like europe will always be europe it's like these wonderful cities will be preserved it's everything's very just kind of you can walk in you're not gonna there's a lot of infrastructure and services so that you don't mess up but it's okay like do the do the more challenging things while you're younger because yeah you might need you know as you get older you have the nicer bed and you might want to not want to do the really long uncomfortable bus ride but so many adventures happen happen in going that route. And so just challenge yourself to like, do you know, we kind of put Europe and North America last one, because we thought we're going to blow our budget if we start those places. And also maybe we won't do the 10 day trek. And, you know, if we, if we don't do it now, when will we do it? So I encourage people to go after, you know, challenge themselves earlier than later, because you can always do the easy stuff. So to this day, do you still not have a home base? Correct. Correct. Yeah. I mean, yeah. When we tell people, oh, we're we're nomads, they say, oh, cool, you travel a lot, but where's home base? Like, where people do you still hang want your the hat? answer? We're like, no, really, we have no home base. Yeah, we haven't had an apartment key or a house key since December 2011. What kind of conditions? Like, let's say if on a scale of one to ten, like a ten is, uh, you know, the the Saint Regis of in Paris, mm-hmm. if there is one, and then a one is like a shack in. Um, Bangladesh, like wh- where would you say your average conditions are uh, on that scale? I think you choosing? should. Uh, right. Good. Good. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you don't necessarily always. OK. Yeah. If you're choosing. We, you take I'm, a shack in Bangladesh first. Oh, I, sure. I would maybe I wouldn't choose St. Regis either. Only, but it's the idea of always mixing it up. It's if you have, if you're always fives for everything, you don't see, you you don't appreciate it anymore, right? Yeah. And if you, um, you know, if you're always no matter what your budget and, is, like yeah. I think everyone should do a homestay. I think there's th- it's the only way to truly know a culture is to sit around a table in a local home. Whoa, 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 whoa! What's a homestay? To you know, people who rent a room, who do cultural exchanges that way, where you're. Oh, this would be, and I learned this from Pauline Fromer on. Um, are, are the what? What are the websites like? Share a couch and I mean, this couch surfing is like the couch the surfing. mainstay. There's a, there is homestay.com. Um, and sometimes it's just asking around too. I mean, we went to a very remote village in Cambodia and we wanted to stay the night and there really weren't hotels. We just kind of started to ask around, oh, they host travelers sometime. Next thing you know, we're like around the fire and we're like doing like patty cake games with little girls and we're cooking together and just having these really authentic experiences come out of that. So you need to sometimes, particularly around fancy resorts of which we do enjoy, you can be in this walled garden that's not reality sometimes. So you, you will need to have, have a, the it'll to go know. like one, st- one, a one out of 10 to like, do you ever do luxury stuff? Or? Oh, we do. We, so you do we like, might hitchhike to a five-star resort. So that's see, kind of the economy I, of our so travels. I, I wouldn't picture that for you guys. So you will do. we not do, look classy? Well, I just, <laughs> because you've been able to stretch the a dollar so well, like what's it, give me an example, nicest place you stayed at. Nicest and worst. Give me nicest and worst. Like we just, even did. Mike was like, oh man, I know this is profit. Sorry about this. Anna. We just, and also with Honey Trek, we work with, you know, we work in tourism. So we tell stories around destinations. So even, you know, we just uh, did a partnership with a hotel called The Brando. It's in French Polynesia. It's one of the- It's Marlon Brando's 
Atoll, but it was his his series. Oh, the Brando, list. as the in Brando. Marlon Brando. As in Marlon Brando. In French Polynesia. In French yes. Polynesia. It's like $3,000 a night. Um, okay. So we Obama spent- Obama wrote, wrote a chunk of his memoir there. Beyonce and Jay-Z stay there. Leonardo DiCaprio. It's a fancy pants place. But what was so cool about that, and I'm sorry, do you want to- No, no, it's fine. Um, is that- all of that money that you know comes from charging so much a night goes back to an incredible research institute that is working on solutions for climate change and through ocean studies. So we actually did both where before we went and had our butler and our infinity pool, we actually volunteered for two days with like the seabird research team. We were out there doing like invasive studies, species walks and learning about like what, you know, is that I love them as an example because it kind of shows uh, tourism as a force for good where it's like, can yes, be. you can, can have be. this fabulous mm-hmm. place, but where is that money going? And, and if I'm going to put my money towards something, is it doing something more than just, you know, senseless luxury? It, it can do positive things. And for us, when we're going to use our voice and tell our audience about something, we want it to be something that's bettering the environment or bettering the communities we're visiting. And everybody has that choice, right? Like we're not going to stay at a place just because it's luxury. But yeah. if it's got a story, if it's inspiring something, if it's doing right by the environment or these, you well, know. You guys haven't had, used plastic bottles as an example. So you really kind of walk the walk. You, you are environmentalists. You That's are, why we gave up eating meat. We went vegan for the environment. Yeah. That was six years ago. And then, yeah, we gave up single-use water bottles. It was basically at the end of our Brazil trip, yeah. and which was the first country uh, on this on this journey. And we saw all the plastic in the rivers, in the forests in the city streets and we were like we can we do not want to continue to contribute to this oh, and we yeah. had this little thing called a steri pen with us but we thought we were just so going to use UV it light it's a uv sterilizer. light so you just put it in your nalgene spin it around for 60 seconds and it purifies anyone oh, i see those things every once in a while on like feats of engineering on linkedin or somewhere those are re- that really works yeah it's, it's called a, little, a uv pen it's we drank in the amazon river and that is not that's the one where people were doing their dishes in the piranhas and we we're all showered in it we also YouTube drank video, that uh, our youtube i've probably channel. seen that uv, UV pen what's it called it's called steri s-t-e-r-i-p-e-n and that is another thing like when people say what is your must pack thing and we try and be advocates we don't work for them at all we're not ambassadors for steri pen but that's the most important thing in our luggage because as travelers, everyone says, oh, at home, I don't do bottled water, but on the road, I don't want to get sick. In you a know, developing country, I'm you can't do, drink yeah, the water. Of course. And we have literally done that every single drink of water through 63 countries. We haven't bought, we haven't consumed a single bottle of water. Hey, y'all, it's Mallory Boggs, the producer for the Retire Sooner podcast. From an investment standpoint, the world is changing. We've gone from no inflation to hyperinflation, zero interest rates to much higher interest rates. All of this changes the dynamics for stocks and bonds. So the question for you, are your retirement accounts ready for it? Have you adapted your investments for these major shifts? Do you know what kind of income your 401k account is gonna pay you in retirement? If not, maybe it's time for a new perspective. The Retire Sooner team is here to help. If you're ready to talk, reach out to our team and we'll help you take a closer look at how you can generate income in retirement and protect yourself from inflation. We'd love to hear from you. Again, find us at westmoss.com. That's W-E-S-M-O-S-S dot com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tell me about your diet. Like, tell me about what you eat. And do you... Well, you guys are vegan now. Yeah. What is your... Which is getting easier and easier. Yeah. What is your diet? And is it just super diverse and you try to consume wherever you go? You want the local food? But because you kind of have a palate of of healthy food, I mean, you guys are in great shape. It's like, are you working out? Like, give me your food slash health regime. I mean, we love to eat as like local street food wherever we can. Yep. And being vegan, that like, gets a little trickier. But at the same time, there's an a w- app I'll pass along to anybody. It's called Happy Cow. And basically, it's like 
any vegan or vegetarian friendly options near you and it okay. and it helps you navigate that whole landscape and it, frankly sometimes places like New York City there's so many dining options it can be overwhelming sometimes yeah. veganism actually like helps you narrow down like okay now I have five good ones to choose from like I'm not it was 87 87 yeah. so I think it can be an asset and yeah it does it makes us feel good and and you did vegan for the environment, not necessarily health-wise. And has it changed? How has it been health-wise? I've never done vegan. When we first went, we decided to do a one-month test. Mm. And, you know, because we're all taught as kids that you need protein and everyone's number one question, where do you guys get your protein if you're not eating animals? And we're like, well, you know, animals are all vegetarian. Most animals are vegetarian. <laughs> they're getting their protein from vegetables and grass, point, yeah. just like we can. Um, so yeah, we went for, for environmental reasons, hundred percent, because we saw the destruction of rainforests and just land being consumed to, to raise cattle. It's, it's basically, we're not perfect, right? We're still going to take planes. I'd much rather give up a hamburger than a flight, you know, to someplace awesome. So it was the single biggest move we could make to make, to lower our carbon footprint. So that just seemed easy enough to be like, you know, we'll make it work. And then health wise. Yeah. Everything's been better. Like we've, you know, we feel Your cholesterol definitely went down. Cholesterol went down. Um, we have a lot of energy. We don't get that kind of afternoon slump after you, you yeah. know, eat a big. So really, as health wise, it's not like it's been a big trade off. I mean, yes, you don't eat filet anymore, but you probably don't even want it anymore. And we also we like I like to cook. So we do a lot of, you know, Airbnbs and, and we have a little camper and that has a kitchen. So you can making your own meals is. Have you ever been you make sure you, you like shut what? out because you're late on figuring out where to go? Like, are you always like a couple days ahead? You're like, oh, I know I'm going to be in somewhere. So I'll at least- For lodging? Yeah, lodging. Like, That's it, a- We have yet to sleep on a park bench. It always works out. And we also are terrible about planning far in advance because we also- you like, so we leave, we're terrible. We're, on purpose, we rarely- We feel like- you never know what opportunities are arise might arise, so we keep things open. Like maybe you get to a town, you're like, "What? There's this awesome festival happening," or you meet somebody lovely and you get an invite. I feel like, like rather, oh, I can't yeah. because you know I've got these reservations and I got to stick to it. Like, and one of, it yeah. works out leaving it loose. And everyone thinks, "Oh well, I'm going to get there and there's going to be no rooms." There is always a room, right? We did uh, the Fringe Festival is this big What, what event. city is this? Where this is, is in it? Edinburgh, Scotland. Okay. It's the largest. Makes total sense. A yeah. Fringe Festival in Scotland. Fringe, okay. Fringe. Oh, Fringe. Which is, a, sorry, okay. which is basically fringe. one of the biggest performing arts festivals. So it's, the it's theater, the it's music, it's okay. dance, it's comedy. 5,000 shows in a one-week period. Wow. And we had heard about this, and we just decided to kind of go on a whim. So we took the train over there. And we got out and we got out at the little info center and we went and said, hey, like, where can we find a room? She's like, this is fringe. You're not going to find a room. She, yeah. she laughed in our face. Yeah. Good, good and luck. we just called two places. First place we called. It's like, right yeah, on the Royal we, Mile. We have a room for you right on the Royal Mile. It was like 30 bucks a night. It was now, there. do you leverage a little bit of who you guys are? Like, they don't even know. They don't even Depends. know. Sometimes yeah. it's like, harder to, you know. This is Mike from Honey Track. <laughs> do you know? Do no. you know who no, I am? so obnoxious. No, we do not. Okay. Um, and sometimes it's it's. You know, we because we mix up our types of lodging. Like we're maybe one night we'll be staying in a you know doing a homestay. One night we're staying in a five star resort. One night we're glamping. We mix it up, and um, we kind of usually have some tent poles of like, is, is this really an experience that's worth booking? Is it? Is it Wait, what do you mean by have some tent poles? What do you mean by that? So like, we, if like if you know, in a country there's certain experiences you do want to have, we'll build around that, but then we'll fill in the gaps. Just with oh, you're talking about like kind of your main. Okay, you're not talking physical tent poles here. No, no. you're saying like the biggest big things you want to. Yeah, make sure if you, that's you important experience. to you, like make sure that happens. But you don't need to plan every single night meal what you're doing because it's it's more. I think it's that's the fun of travels. You don't know what you're gonna get. You know, it should be an adventure like get lost like the locals will give you tips other travelers at the hotel or the hostel they'll give you tips and then you can pivot so you're not so so very it's not uncommon at all to find a place the day you're there oh for sure i that was largely our strategy for the longest time because you can only you know something with your own eyes a lot better than you know whatever images online so sometimes we'll even like compare three hotels back to back and me and see how it feels and and find the room that has the strongest wi-fi signal because no one will tell you that Mm -hmm. you have to go with your own phone and find that out oh that's interesting so yeah well i mean wi-fi is the lifeblood of this then because it's it's opened the world for you guys Mm -hmm. it's really I mean, if, if there's a singular change in the world that we've between COVID and Wi-Fi and then Starlink is coming, which yep. is going to be a massive thing, mm-hmm. you know, in fact, Starlink just announced something with one of the airlines where they're going to start. I did gonna, see that. It's going to actually, Wi-Fi. it's going to work. And I've, um, so you'll have 5G in like a, a river in Montana. 
right? Yeah. Which is amazing. It is amazing. It's going to is... be even more game changing than what we live at today. And with yeah. COVID, like so many people are becoming nomads either by choice or their company just said everybody's working from home now. So there is a lot more people wondering how to do it, how to. Let's talk about money because mm -hmm. I keep thinking like, again, our listeners, like how the hell do they pay for all this? And clearly you guys have a big audience and you've got, you've got a couple of different books and I want to talk about that in a minute. You're well, well established as the world's longest honeymoon. So that's, you've got a great brand. Honey Trek has how many, how many regulars at this point? How many? We have about 350,000 followers across okay. social, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Tell me about the economics. I mean, you don't have to give me dollars and cents particularly, but has it just been a little more every year? Has it had some good years, bad years? Like, and is it, how do you feel about it economically? Yeah, I mean, to work in any creative industry is going to have its highs and lows. Yeah. It's, it can be very feast and famine. Um, but at the same time, I think because you, we always thought we were like, how long can we make this last for? We shifted our whole mentality around money very early on because we're like, the more we save, the longer we can stay out and play. Mm -hmm. So we made it sort of prioritize, like always spend on experiences. If it's something that's truly unique and this is the place to do it, you do it no matter how much it costs. Or is it just another, you know, it's just an average hotel or an average meal? like spend where it counts and you know go as budget as you can on the rest because it's for the long game of how long you can do this because you know that those experiences are what mattered and we got really good at and it was fun for us to do travel hacking i don't know if you've heard this term travel hacking but or my tell our hacking. audience about it yeah yeah so we do um and a, a lot through different credit cards and it's a whole community of people that um that play the airline mileage game or chase you know sapphire points because how much money we've saved on flights alone with travel yeah hacking, we've right? saved well over fifty thousand oh, dollars in flights we've 70, taken yeah. it, the flight here was our 192nd flight that we've taken for free on miles 192nd so, free flight okay. yeah so we do a lot of that and that's a great way it's a little bit of effort it's not um you know but if it's a, it's a hobby for us and then on lodging we actually just were in Hollywood and we spent 10 days in the center of Hollywood and we spent nothing on lodging because because of points. No, that was house sitting. So you've heard this term house sitting. Of course. Yeah. What um, website do you do that through? Trusted House Sitters is one that we commonly use that the biggest, the most, you know, have the most options internationally. Trusted House Sitters. Trusted House Sitters. But then if you know you want to be in America, well, there's, you know, House Sitters America. And House Sitters House, Canada. It, House Sitters always, UK. Yeah. So that's actually, because it can get pretty competitive to get that villa in San Miguel de Allende, you know, <laughs> at, yeah. at the prime time where the festivals are happening. Or... Um, so it's good to kind of focus local sometimes because there's just less competition on the on the domestic sites. Yeah. But house spending has been a, a real thread through the last like six, seven years of our travels. House sitting. Give, give me an example because I've never explored it. Let's say I go away. I live in Atlanta. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you've um, got a dog. Yeah. Two dogs. Okay. Uh, and it is a big deal to board them. It's yeah. very expensive. It's, and a, it's cost. Not a happy thing it's for a the dogs. It's a stressful thing for the dogs. Yeah. You know, they come home and they've been beaten up in the little doggy yeah. daycare. Um, so yeah, you would go on house sitting as a homeowner yep. and you would pay the 150 bucks or whatever. And then you would put your profile up there and say, here's my three trips this year. Or here's a trip I'm going on next month. And that's for the month. year. Cause what do people pay dog sitters? You're probably going to pay $150 in two days. Yeah. So yeah, pay it for is. one it's membership like, it is for the like, year. I think 50 bucks a day to, yeah. to 70. I think with two dogs. Yeah. It's like, it's not, it's very, it's, it's on a, a 10 lot. day trip. There you go. A thousand bucks for your two dogs. Sure. And you would put your house on there and then you would interview us. We would go on and say, oh, we're looking to come to Atlanta, maybe for a travel show, or we just want to relax there and get some writing done. And we would apply to your house and you would look and say, oh, wow, honey track. Look at our blog. These guys look trustworthy. And you'd see our yeah. references. Nothing to do with, with like no, who no, we are no, or anything. No, exactly. I mean, anybody can do this. And what we love the most about it is it's a way to get local. And so you kind of assume someone else's life. Yeah. I am now a, I'm a farmer in Portugal this month, or maybe now I'm an, an Liv artist living in a Costa Rica with my two and petty. Okay. So then, so then I trade out, like, I don't have to go do doggy daycare yep. and you and I don't pay you to come to my house but you do the you basically pet sit 
Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you get the house and trade. Yep. Anything yeah. else beyond just pets, pets it? Is, the, is there any other thing? Or is it almost all about pets? We've taken care of some fabulous gardens. Um, yeah. If, oh, yeah. Yeah. So if somebody's going to be gone for like a month. If someone's going to be on for a year, they usually have nothing and they decide like a warm body. So we like almost took this. Actually, it was a, it was a vineyard in, in Santorini, Greece. And basically they were like, well, we're gone for four months. So we just want to like have some sort of warm body looking out. Like for they it. have a staff there, but they just wanted us yeah. to come and. And watch what their... was your longest spot? Is that was that it, Santorini? Uh we we did a three month house sit in Roatan, Honduras, which is an island off of Roatan. The, Roatan, okay. mm-hmm. and that one was a crazy house sit. Uh, Why? What was happening? Well, it, that was the most uh, challenging and rewarding house sit. One because it. It had a private beach. The view of the ocean was incredible. In Honduras. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, we have like macaws flying from the trees and iguanas and like coconuts and mangoes are falling. And it's just like super idyllic. But it was also, she didn't really let on that it was like this cute cabana in a resort that was like falling down around it. So it was, um, we basically had to reclaim that as, okay, uh, we're going to make this work. Paradise will not beat us up. We will, we will find it. And we ultimately like... Learned that, you know, we could kayak to the bar and there's bioluminescence and we made friends with the local scuba guy. So we got, you know, scuba diving lessons and we had enough time there to get local, make friends, have access to more opportunities versus this sort of one week vacation rental and that you are a vacationer versus we assumed like a community, right? She introduced us to all her local friends. We were integrated much more easily. Yeah, I love this. So this is what I want to ask you. So this is, I know that you talk about vacation versus travel travel integration, Mm -hmm. which you like, and what, what's a number by the way, this is, you know, we, the world has started to experience more and more longer trips because of COVID and because of living other areas. What do you think a magic number is where you start to one, the logistics of having enough time to meet people Two, the, other side of that, well, I'm only going to be here, so I'm leaving soon anyway. Like, what is a good number where you start to feel like you're really, you live there? I think around a month yeah. for me. We try and have a minimum of three weeks at a house six. I feel like just as you're starting to get to to know it, you're out the door, and that's yeah. not a good feeling. I mean, you've, you know, you kind of find your groove at around like two, three weeks. Um, but then we usually don't do them longer than three months because you just never know what else is out there. Yeah, and it's like you... It's also a mindset when you go into this place. Like we can be in a in a destination for a week, and if we show, a, you know, a, an interest in the local people, and you know, and spark up conversations, and show that we actually care about them, like you can have a pretty deep experience. It's not necessarily the length of time, but almost like what kind of mindset you go into it with. Um, like if you really care about these people and their cuisine, or you want to learn from them things open up pretty quickly. Or you joining where you can. Like when we did a house sit in Seattle, we're like, let's join the local volleyball league. We're only here for five weeks. So that's four games. Like we can. And then we had a, we built a community pretty quickly. What about how many countries? 63 on this honeymoon. And seven continents. Seven continents, 63 countries. How many cities? Not not even keep track. Around like cities slash places we've spent more than, more than a night, I think is around 1200. 1200. 1200 okay yeah, we move favorite fast. give me a give me a top give me number three two and one go up um new zealand south south island of new zealand uh nepal is a fascinating destination mm-hmm. um and the arctic circle Oh, you're going to go number one on Arctic Circle? Maybe not number one, well, but that was so an amazing road trip. We did a we did a three month road trip. You're saying the Canadian? Arctic yeah. Circle. Well, just just British Columbia, Alaska. We took our camper van up there, so, and it was a combination of bears, glaciers, northern yeah, lights. Yeah. Why? So I've heard now a couple of times here at TravelCon that the Arctic and the uh, and Antarctica are kind of like the the best most interesting place you might ever go is it was it enjoyable or just interesting or both um, Antarctica was so extreme where you're like it's sunny and now I'm being like pelted with hail in my eye and you're like you know I, I was hoping we would see a few penguins we must have seen 10,000 penguins and we then saw you know a leopard seal leap through the air and nab a penguin I'm like I am in a wildlife special like this is really happening around me Antarctica is a yeah. Nat Geo yeah, yeah. Uh, and Nepal I mean, because it's got... That seems just brutal to me. Like, Nepal just feels like it's just mountains and snow and, like... 
Oh, but it's then like it's vibrant cities too. So it's both. Oh, it it's eight of the ten highest mountains are in the small country. So it's just uh-huh. epic for for that. And you but don't then... need to be a mountaineer to love Nepal. <laughs> okay. I mean, like the cities there, the food. It's it's just I don't know. It's one of my favorite cultures in the world. I would go back there, even if I didn't, even if I didn't hike or couldn't hike or. You know, it's so not. You don't have to be okay, a mountain person. No, for no. sure. And what's also neat, we did the Annapurna Base Camp trek, and it's interesting convergence in of. Nepal? Is that yeah, of like extreme or... wilderness to then culture, because there's villages that have been living far, far from roads, like built into the mountains for forever. So you kind of are like meeting people as you go, and actually, you don't need to schlep a tent or anything. You stay at these little tea houses and and have dal bot for dinner. And it was kind of a very cool cultural trek that was really challenging. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Most underrated, fascinating place. Hmm. Underrated. Or surprisingly good. Ecuador. Mm-hmm. Ecuador, possibly our favorite country in South America, which we didn't visit the first time through, but made a point because everyone assumes Ecuador is just the Galapagos and that it's crazy expensive. But mainland Ecuador was, I think, one, probably one of the most underrated countries. It's like countries. four worlds because, one, the Galapagos is absolutely amazing. But then there's Volcano Avenue. So you feel these glaciated smoking peaks that, like, you can go hike and just marvel at. And then they also are part of, you know, they share some of the Amazon. It's actually, we saw way more wildlife in the Yasuni section of the Amazon than we ever did in Brazil. Um, and then... It's it's very like in indigenous culture is still very alive and well. So it's it's a pretty dynamic place. And then Quito is one of the first like UNESCO cities that would ever got that, you know. I think it's the uh, first. Quito, I'm sorry, that's in Ecuador. That's the capital of Ecuador, yeah. yeah. Wait, by the way, let's go back to money career for just a second. How many how often are you writing and publishing and what's your rhythm there? Approximately. I mean, books are full on, so we a did book two every books. Three years. Oh, yeah, let's yeah. talk about your books. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me your uh, what is your most recent right now? It's called Comfortably Wild, The Best Glamping Destinations in North America. Because we discovered very early on, we were running around South America in that first year. And we're like, we love the outdoors, but it's our honeymoon. Like, I'm going to be pitching a tent, but I also, like, don't want to be in some big box hotel. And this kind of convergence of having those adventures and being able to, like, actually savor them at the end of the day. Your bed is fluffy and made. You're having a nice glass of wine and kind of just sort of absorbing the best of the outdoors without some of the schlep and the hard work associated with that and incredible guides. And yeah, glamping is, I mean, I didn't even know about glamping until probably 10 years ago. I'd never even heard of yeah, it. Yeah. Is it that new or has it been around? I mean, if you want to get into it in terms of the history of glamping is actually fascinating. That word is new, right? But the concept yes. from everything from just people being nomadic, actually, bringing their 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 home with them as they go. If you're talking about like Mongolians in the Gurt, or you're talking about Native Americans, or you know the per, the Ottoman Empire bringing their finest rugs and silk tents and setting up cities, and bringing and the, the nice African stuff with safaris, them. Safaris like kind of took it to the next level, and oh right, you know, the hunting safaris, a... but they would bring their china. And... Where do we go glamping now? Where do you like to go glamping? What's the what are is it is it to me, it's Montana, like or Wyoming. Is it? it but that's you're, you're you're the world is your glamping. Yeah. Well, for glamping to us is about it was less about. Well, it's always interesting structures. So literally, you could be staying in a treehouse or a, a geodesic dome or an airstream trailer. But it's less about. Whoa, whoa geo. What was the dome? Like a, a geodesic dome. Geodesic dome. Like what Epcot is that? Center, but. Oh, like, okay. Yeah, yeah. Big domes. Oh, cool. Um, but it's the idea is like, what experience do you want to have? So we organized the book by that. So the Cultivate chapter, all farm stays, Wild West, oh, cool. ranches, rejuvenate, more like yoga retreats. In motion, in motion, where you glamp somewhere and then either ride a covered wagon or kayak to the next glamping camp and you do three or four different yeah, the journey glamping the destinations adventure. in the woods. Yeah. And so then also that it was about like the really interesting people who take the leap to build something in the middle of nowhere and hope people show up but they want to share a piece of their world with others. So it's that book was really a lot of the the human side of it too, of, of creating something special and sharing it with guests. So Comfortably Wild has been, that's your latest. And is that, or is that getting some momentum? 
Yeah, I mean, during the pandemic, everybody right before the pandemic. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Right. So people wanted to reconnect with nature. They didn't want to necessarily share the buffet spoon or the elevator with other people. So, yeah, it definitely saw a big increase. And yeah, we just love connecting people with nature and, you know, back to that whole sustainability angle. um, Yeah, that there are places that like work with the landscape, not try and control it. Do you guys write then, I guess, write and publish something every day on at least social or like a couple times every single week? Yeah. Instagram stories is probably, you know, like the little short 15 second videos. So Instagram is probably our most frequent. But then I think hopefully people understand that you are traveling and that's why it cracks me up whenever you like write an email to somebody with like more of a corporate job and they have an away message. I'm traveling now. I'm like, well, I'm always traveling and I'm still checking email. Okay. But I know. Yeah, that's not a good excuse. But sometimes you go dark for a while because you are in a remote village hiking up a mountain. So you can't let it run your life. You still need to be out there experiencing. What is your Instagram? I'm looking at it right now. Everything is honey trek. Yeah, H-O-N-E-Y-T-R-E-K. Like a long walk around. Yeah, uh, like a long trek around the world. Um, so you're here. We go. Yeah, I know. It's just. It's almost like we almost wouldn't believe that this was real. But I, I'm telling our audience that this is real. <laughs> like, it looks like one of these things. Like this isn't real. Like this is real. No way. It is all. Real I see life. waterfalls, and I see comfortably wild. Uh, I see wedding photos back before you went. Took the leap of of traveling for an entire year. I see the most incredible place in. Tiro, what? Tiro. Oh, that's, that's the Brando. Where is this? That's the Brando in French Polynesia. Holy cow! Yeah, the color of that no water. Wonder. Oh my! No wonder it's three G's a night. <laughs> um, planet Earth. Yeah, you've got a. Yeah, if you haven't followed Honey Trek on in, Instagram, it's it really is a fun one, it, and it's it's real. So that's, that I think is the coolest part is that it's not like some giant company. Oh, here are your domes. These, what, what do you call them again? Geodesic domes. Geodesic domes. Yeah. Geodesic domes. Okay. Or an eco dome. That's never, easier. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually never seen that. Uh, Rangoria to islands. Yeah. What is that? That's we were in French Polynesia for almost three months. So there's a lot of French Polynesia on there. French Polynesia. I've never been there. Yeah. Incredible. I love this teepee by the way. And Flathead Lake, Montana. Okay, so you're writing and you're you're blogging, you're posting. Do you guys monet? Is there any much monetization on the social media, or is it more about? Or is it more selling books? Or we partner with people too. Like different destinations will reach out, um, okay. like the Brando or French Polynesia, and say, "Hey, like you guys have a following. You tell great stories. We want to share our sustainability story, or we want to share for a little while. Exactly. So can we invite you down here? But in the end, that's probably only I would say we average you know, three or four days per month where someone is hosting us. And then okay. the other 25 or so days is kind of on our own doing Depends. it. It comes in kind of spurts. Exactly. But that's why you have to do it for you, right? There are some travel bloggers who get big and they're like, I don't leave unless I'm, I'm being paid. You're like, don't you do this for the love of it? You still have to have the love of travel because it's not yeah. all going to be handed to you. It's still hard work, but you do it because you love it. Yeah. And, you know, whether we're getting paid or not, we're like, well, let's just go because it's going to be awesome and we'll make it fun either way. So... Do you guys ever, it, it sounds, you know, part of the difference here is that I have always thought of travel is, to your point, it's kind of, you go and you come back. You guys have made this a lifestyle. And it, do you ever, I guess if it was just you two, I could, I would ask the question, do you guys ever get sick of each other? But it's not that. It's just, it's you guys always having a community around you. And that's the thing. People are like, you know, just because we travel to us doesn't mean we're not out there every day. Travel is really about the people you meet. And because we are yeah. social, I mean, we'll just, you know, you make friends as you go. And yeah, that's the joy scale of it. one to 10, you're social. 10 most social, one most non. Where are you guys? I'd say we're in the six to eight range, right? Sometimes we're a little less social, but yeah, we're six to nine. I don't know. Yeah, we're pretty social people. But at the same time, somebody's got to get work done too. And we just, you know, we'll hunker down together and, and, uh, and you become a team out there, right? Like you're, you're your team. You're deciding where you're going to stay, where you're going to eat, how you're going to get between two destinations, where you want to go next, you know, what activities you're going to do or what work you're going to do. So it's, yeah, you're, you kind of become a unit out there, um, kind of looking out for each other. For couples, what's your advice for couples traveling? I think it's, yeah, to get out there as a team and, and, the idea that like you're building something together. So be both be a part of the planning process. So it's not just the other one's leading the other one around. Like what find out 
what each of you are jazzed about and make sure that you're kind of doing them in equal measure and like let that person take charge and be like, then you're stoked on it. You plan it. You make it happen. And, you know, because you did this one, well, then come with me for this one. And and usually even if you're like a, someone loves soccer and someone loves the opera, like it's 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 it should be a mix anyway. So just find each other's interests and nurture them. And and a, and a, for all the couples listening, one of the books, the first book that we wrote uh, for National Geographic was called Ultimate Journeys for Two. Yeah. And in that one, we dive deep into couples travel um, how to make it sustainable, little tricks, all of our like A little romantic hacks. tip for everyone. We also feature for every chapter, we had some really inspiring other couples give their one favorite destination in the world. And these people who like are full on travelers and their best tip for traveling as a couple because everyone's got different styles. You have to figure out what works for you. That's ultimate journeys for two. Yep. Yes. Yeah. yeah. What about kids? Are you thinking about that? Am I asking too personal of a question? Mm -hmm. My, our mothers called you beforehand <laughs> yeah. and said, yeah. put them on the spot. When are they having children? <laughs> and are you going to keep track? are my but, grandbabies? But again, as I've talked this through, it feels like this kind of um, hard to even wrap your arms around it to kind of understanding you've made it your life as opposed to it's not a trip. It's a journey. It's a difference. But And I suspect now that if you were to have kids, well, you answer. You're going to move home to Killington? Right. Or I what mean, are you going to do? I think we, even we just say the start of the trip, we're like, okay, you know, one year we have to be back because we have to like continue up the corporate ladder. Or by the time I'm 35, we have to have kids. That's what you're supposed to do. You're 35. That's your last chance. And we're like, who's who wrote these rules? Like, who's mm -hmm. to say you have to follow any of these paradigms? Like, we have a life that we enjoy, like, and we're, we're breaking out of the mold. And, yeah. and that's, and so people always want to be like, you know, when are you coming back? When are you having children? When is your, what is your, when's it going to end? You're like, when are you getting protein? Yeah. <laughs> well, also, but you could have a, you could have a kids and just keep going. I mean, right. Which a lot of totally people do. Could. I mean, we probably... know wonderful family travelers. It is entirely possible. It just, is not what we're going for. Yeah. And mm -hmm. for anybody listening that does have kids and, um, we cannot recommend it highly enough to take your kids out there, to take them a year off of school. And when that, child or two children we have we have friends um you know have taken their kids out usually somewhere in that like six years old to 12 years old range before they've got too many friends where they don't want to leave and when those kids come back to school and they've maybe been homeschooled on the road the the development in the kids and the parents in just that one year is is so inspiring for them the stories they'll be able to tell the people that they'll become look up world school world schooling if you don't know it already as a movement um just think about like we're kids you, you go to the classroom and you're learning about egypt and the pyramids what if you could do that at the pyramids you know to give yeah. things context in life i mean that's like me like almost flunking out of spanish in ninth grade and then i convinced my mom to let me study abroad in costa rica and i was like i love this language this is like oh by the way do you speak any worlds. languages Spanish is really the main one. We always try and learn a little bit of local language because yeah. it just makes such a difference to have How at least your, is your spanish Fully. Semi-fluent. I mean, fluent's a very strong word, but I can yeah. chit-chat all day long and have the best time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I can just get dangerous, you know. Yeah. <laughs> As we wrap here, what have you maybe learned the hard way on the road? Like uh, maybe some mistakes that have really opened your eyes to do it better. I'll give one travel rule while you think about mm -hmm. a mistake. And my travel rule would be to not listen to, even though we're all in the media of some sorts, but not listen to the news type media, which wants to make you fear the other, right? They want to make you fear Russians or the Chinese or yeah. Muslims or whatever is not you, right? And, and it's the same. And the flip side, um, the media, not necessarily on purpose, but fear, it, it sells, right? It sells advertising yeah. and it keeps you home so that you can watch the news the next day as opposed to be out there meeting these people. So it's to kind of dis disregard or at least go to these places that you're scared of. And you'll see, you know, we have friends um, who did, um, you know, did a four year road trip around the world and we asked them what their favorite country was and it was Iran. And that's a country that we've all been told is, you know, warmongering and like yeah. just scary and you're too, you know, white British people, like you're going to get hurt there. Or they're going to kidnap you for ransom. And it was their favorite country in the whole world. With incredible hospitality. Yeah. Incredible hospitality. So it's just to get out there with a By love. the way, go back to how do you again, uh, because I think back travel now, it's, it's kind of bringing up all the travel that I've done. And it really is a, such a, 
the, the education is so real. Like you just, you, it stays with you forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I can, I don't know if I remember any one particular thing in any one particular class in college, but I remember so many highlights going to, you know, Europe and Southern Spain and then and going to Northern Africa and going to Scandinavia and going to Russia and going to Moscow and Leningrad at the time. Mm-hmm. It is, it's so, it's so well remembered yeah. as humans. Um, so I love the idea of this world schooling. It is like anywhere you go is an education. Kind of to add, to build on that yeah. is that was a, a real motivator for us when we were, you know, planning this honeymoon. We're like, well, you know, the memories we have now, you'll have for the rest of your life. The idea of cramming that into your final years when you could have been like have that memory and that friendship and that yeah. life lesson that you carry on for decades more. That is like invaluable right there. Yeah, so I mean, we, People think it's it's a risk to quit your job and go spend part of your nest egg traveling for a year in your at any time, whether you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s or 60s like now is the best time to go on an extended trip because when you go to these places and when you're traveling for a year and you don't have things booked, it's a totally different experience. Every destination is different than if you flew in for 10 days. Even if you do the same activities, the way you're treating people, the way you're flowing through the country is different on a long trip and it's very hard to explain, but it's a much deeper engagement than just like, I saw the Leaning Tower of Pisa and I checked these things off my bucket list. You know, So you need to do it as early as you can in your life, like Ann said, and not become this more worldly person in, you know, this in the is, end. This is what I wanted to, I, I didn't quite get to, is that the integration, I remember going to um, Turku, Finland in when I was, let's say, tw- 12, 13. I remember we did, it was exchange, exchange, and, and we all stayed at family houses. And I remember visually to this day, the breakfast I had in Turku, Turku Finland, uh, how different it was, how like bright the orange juice was and how they had salami uh, and meat for breakfast, which is so it felt like dinner in America. I just mm-hmm. remember it so well. Um, how do you, how, how would you advise people to get into the culture? You'd mentioned the home sharing. Is that the best way to do it? The house sitting, or what did you? Well, call there's both. Well, there's both. There's homestays where you just like stay with a local family overnight and share a meal, and you know live as they do, which has led to some incredible experiences. Just from oh, like, so you, that's right. You meet them before they leave. Oh well, there's two of different course. things. There's homestays where you're like you. That experience is that you are living in their home with them. Okay. And then house sitting is more. They give you the keys to their world. They walk away. You take it over. What for, is it? Where do you find people for homestay? Is that uh, home- anything from from homestay.com, which is like a search engine for that or couch surfing, but just also just sometimes asking around. And even Airbnb. Like and Airbnb, people, yeah, that's a very good We point. will choose, if we have a choice on Airbnb, even if it's the same price to have a private house versus a room in somebody else's house, if we want, well, if we want time to ourselves, we'll do the private one, but we will pay the same amount to have a room in a shared home because it gives you access to that local. Oh, you might yeah. have dinner the best with them. concierge you could ever imagine. It's like a, someone who like generally really? wants to share their home yeah. in their neighborhood. Like, oh, you want barbecue? Let's go to Fat. You need to go yeah. Fat Matt's. Exactly. And it's not the concierge at the front desk who's given the same canned answer to everybody and they've lost a passion. These are people who generally want to share. Tell me real quick. We we barely talked about the U.S. Before we go, give me your you have a your water mug. <laughs> your Honeycheck water mug has a picture of the United States. Yep. It says 2017, 18, 19, and then you've got all these. Give me your quick overview of your U.S. travels. And when was that? I guess. I guess. Well, we're still, so we bought this little one to write the glamping book, Comfortably Wild. We're like, how are we going to get to all these far-flung places? Uh, and we bought this 1985 camper. His name mm-hmm. is Buddy. And he has been very good to us. And we have traveled all over North America. And, you know, we were into such exotic places for so long that, like, North America, frankly, did not seem that exciting to us. Oh, we've been absolutely <laughs> astounded by like the volume of amazing and beautiful places and interesting places that are on this continent. Um, so yeah, we roamed around North America for like almost four years. But that's the thing about a camper is we're like, I'm not beholden to this thing. I can just park it and go hop a flight. You know, yeah. so it's we'll been leave in Memphis it for, since October. Yeah. Ironically, we're having a reunion with our camper this week. He's been abandoned oh, buddy's for a long home. time. Exactly. Yeah. Welcome, buddy. But it's good to like have different travel styles, right? Like a lot of people who, let's say, get an RV. They're like, okay, I'm an RVer now. I'm in this thing 12 months a year. But for us, any one type of travel, whether it's the one, you know, backpacking scale or the 10, you know, luxury hotel or 
just glamping or just RVs, like to us, that gets boring. So when you've got a lot of different travel styles in your quiver, you can, you know, you can mix it up based on how you guys are feeling. And that's, I think, how we've been able to do this for so long is that we're constantly doing different types of travel, uh, which keeps it fresh and keeps the people. Yeah, we just learned to sail a boat recently and we're like, oh. Like, that's, that's a good skill. We should we should work on that. And we found this girl through this, you know, Facebook group, and she just needed an extra set of hands. And we said, hey, we're not very good at sailing, but we're quick to learn and we're down to help. And she was amazing. And we, you know, sailed through this atoll and, and got a whole, not only was it free lodging and an epic way to travel, it was a real new skill. Mm-hmm. So maybe sailing's the next chapter. I don't know. An unscary world. I, I learned that from you. Um I would call if I redid this in your parlance. I'd call it what the what the happiest travelers know. And my first book, retire sooner than you think. Just travel sooner, travel sooner, guys. Uh, Mike and Ann, thank you so much. Thank you, uh, founders of Honey Trek, and full of maybe inspiration. Not only just inspiration, but some tactical things and an education around why this is possible. And it doesn't have to be what you guys do, but just the possibility of being able to push the envelope from our traditional four days away to somewhere in between that and, you know, a decade. I think we can land somewhere in between with what you've told us today. So God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Hey, y'all, this is Mallory with the Retire Sooner team. Please be sure to rate and subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend. If you have any questions, you can find us at westmoss.com. That's W-E-S-M-O-S-S.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and YouTube. You'll find us under the handle Retire Sooner Podcast. And now for our show's disclosure. This podcast is provided to you as a resource for informational purposes only and is not to be viewed as investment advice or recommendations. This information is being presented without consideration of the investment objectives, risk tolerance, or financial circumstances of any specific investor and might not be suitable for all investors. It is not intended to and should not form a primary basis for any investment decision that you may make. Always consult your own legal, tax, or investment advisor before making any investment or financial planning considerations. Please refer to the full disclosure in the podcast description for any additional information.